Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. This glorious Wednesday, I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. To you white liberals out there, happy Cinco de Mayo to you. I know how you like to show your down for the struggle with the woke folk out there, and you do that by getting drunk in a Mexican restaurant on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, we just love the BIPOC folk. Let's go hang out in a Mexican restaurant and get drunk on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I know how you you liberals are. You like to go do stuff like that. You find out when a cultural heritage event is, you go to their restaurant, and you get drunk. So I'm sure on Chinese New Year, you're probably in a Chinese restaurant <laughs> eating egg foo young and getting slammed there as well. For you other woke folk out there, happy AAPI Heritage Month. Did you know that, White Boy Malcolm X? It is AAPI Heritage Month. And if you folks are out there going, Miller, what the heck is AAPI Heritage Month? Well, first, you are just not woke. How dare you listen to this podcast? AAPI is Asian American and Pacific Islanders. So I guess they get their own month as well, just like Black History Month. Unfortunately, White Boy Malcolm X, you are fake black. You are not fake Asian or fake Pacific Islander. You don't have your Kenti cloth on. (laughs) or whatever those folks wear if they are celebrating. You know what we should have done, White Boy Malcolm X? We should have seen what Nancy Pelosi and her stooges were wearing, because if they had some special garment on or something like that, we could have had you mimic that. But uh, yeah, those folks, Nancy and her stooges, they love to show symbolically how woke they are with the woke folk out there. They love to uh, dress up in the Kenty cloth or whatever else they need to dress up in to show how down for the struggle they are, even though they're just a bunch of rich old white people in the ruling class. (laughs) So anyway, happy AAPI Heritage Month and happy Cinco de Mayo to all of you who are celebrating either or both. I guess if you are a double woke white liberal, you could be doing both at the same time. You could be down at your local Mexican restaurant celebrating AAPI Heritage Month while you are doing tequila shots. On today's podcast, good Lord, I have been talking about the Star Wars bar that is the LGBTQ plus community. And folks, the bar is open and the bar is packed. And who do we have on today's podcast? Looks like Elliot Page is back. I guess he is doing a media tour. We had part of his interview with Oprah on Sunday's podcast, and it looks like he is back with more. I guess he is, uh, he's been quiet for quite some time, and now his mouth is yapping, and it is continuing to yap. Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer looks like he will be here as well, possibly with the Buttigieg girls, but we will see if they are going to come back on this podcast. Bill and Melinda Gates are here, as is Dave Portnoy. 
Jesus Christmas. White boy Malcolm X. What the hell? Colton Underwood. <laughs> Man, that dumpster fire, that human train wreck is back, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, he is back with Goose Kentworthy. <laughs> His gay sidekick. So we have some more news. This is a follow-up story about his upcoming Netflix train wreck of a show, Homoromantic Asexuals. And if you folks are out there going, Miller, what the heck is a homoromantic asexual? That sounds kind of crazy. And I know you got lots of crazy sexual identities and genders and funky brownouts. What is that? Well, folks, we will get there. Calm down. We will get to homoromantic asexuals soon enough. Of course, of course, on the Miller Frost Show, what would our podcast be without a visit from the woke folks? So we have more college campus nuttiness for you. And no, I don't think any of them are calling for the eradication of Whitey on today's podcast, but I'm sure those folks will be back in due course. COVID Karen, I believe, is also going to stop by. We do have a lovely perverted poem for you. And of course, we will end with the smoking gun. And I tell you what, White Boy Malcolm X, I called it the other week when I said I knew my fans in Florida, those folks in Florida, they could not control themselves. They were being really, 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 really quiet for some reason. And I was like, man, something is afoot if the folks in Florida are not making the smoking gun for several weeks, right? And so we had a really good one on Friday's podcast. We had one last week, and we've got a doozy of a smoking gun story to wind up today's podcast. But we will get there soon enough. So let's go ahead. Now that I have laid the canvas out, I've gotten the paints ready, let's go ahead and dive into today's podcast with our news quick hits. And the first one out is from Tal Road. Elliot Page knew he was a boy as a toddler. Hmm. Let's find out about Elliot as a toddler. And here are a couple pull quotes. Elliot Page knew he was a boy when he was just a toddler. The 34-year-old star, who was previously known as Ellen, came out as transgender in December 2020 and soon after, folks, divorced his lesbian wife. But the Umbrella Academy actor admitted he had adopted a male identity from a very young age. Speaking to Vanity Fair magazine, Elliot said, all trans people are so different, and my story's absolutely just my story. But yes, when I was a little kid, absolutely, 100%, I was a boy. I knew I was a boy when I was a toddler. I was writing fake love letters and signing them Jason. Every little aspect of my life, that is who I was, who I am, and who I knew myself to be. White Boy Malcolm X. I don't want to call Elliot a liar. No, no. <laughs> the last thing you do, folks, is call a transgender a liar on a podcast. That'll get you deplatformed like like that, right? So we're not going there. But, but, White Boy Malcolm X, but I do have one question for you. Because, folks, I don't have kids. Never had kids. Never will have kids. I know some of you out there going, man, thank God that weirdo on the podcast there, he is not going to reproduce, right? But I had no idea what a toddler was. The ages, I meant. I know what a toddler is. I just didn't know what the ages are, right? Because I've never had one. I've never been, well, I've been around them. I just don't really deal with them very much at all. So I had to Google that, what ages are a toddler. And a toddler, folks, apparently, and don't yell at me, this is just what I got off the interwebs, one to three years old is what a toddler is. 
So white boy Malcolm X, I guess the question I have to you, and I don't want to call Elliot Page a liar, but I don't remember my life before, I don't know, four or five, I think is when my earliest memory was or is, right? Whatever. Question for you, sir. Do you know, do you remember what your life was like as a toddler? Like when you were like one or two years old or even three, we will give them the benefit of the doubt or four even, we'll even say a toddler's up to four years old. Do you, sir, do you remember what your life was like then? No. Okay. See, I don't either. And so I, I'm just saying, I find it a little hard to believe that someone who is two years old or three years old, number one, that you're 34 years old and you remember when you were two years old, but number two, that you remember that when you were two years old or three years old, what have you, 30 plus years ago, that you were sitting there as a two-year-old going, I'm a little girl, but I'm actually a little boy and I know I'm a little boy and my name is Jason, right? I'm sorry. I just find that incredibly hard to believe. Now, we know from Sunday's podcast that Elliot does love a good poetic truth, right? Because she was talking about how Republican lies were going to kill transgender children, right? She was all about the beautiful poetic truth of the narrative that Republicans hate transgenders and want to see them all dead. They want them erased from society. They want them invalidated, whatever their code words are, whatever, erase, invalidate, blah, 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 right? So she spun this beautiful narrative to Oprah about Republicans wanting to see dead transgender kids, right? So we know that Elliot loves a good poetic truth versus, say, the literal truth, right? Which is just, that's just kind of crazy to say that. So I would say that this might be Elliot having another poetic truth moment to say that she was two and three years old and knew not only that she was a girl and she can mentally process what a girl was compared to a boy, but she also knew that she was a girl, but in her mind, she was actually a boy. And then within a couple years, she knew that she was Jason and she was writing imaginary love letters or fake love letters. And I don't know who she was writing fake love letters to. And signing them Jason. And folks, I don't know why she didn't just keep the name Jason. Why did she go to Elliot? Why isn't she not Jason Page? Because that was her first transgender name, right? So I don't know what's going on there. I find it. I think this young man, he's 34. I guess he is a young man to me. But this young man is, I don't even know what the hell he's doing, to be honest with you, folks. I guess he is becoming, he's like Sam Smith, right? Sam Smith used to be a singer, but now all he is known for, at least every news article I see about Sam Smith, he is just yapping on about his new super special, unique gender identity, right? He's just yap, 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 yap about his gender identity. If he's a singer, I sure as hell haven't heard any of his songs in quite a while because all I know about Sam Smith now is that he is a caricature of himself, which I said about a week or two ago on one of our podcasts, but I think that Elliot is kind of turning into Sam Smith because he's going to get to a point, folks, where all people know him for is that he is transgender, not the fact that he is actually an actor behind all of that. That is his world now, just kind of talking about himself all the time. You know, he kind of comes off to me as a bit self-absorbed at this point, just yapping on and I'm sorry, I just cannot believe that he was two or three or four years old and knew he was a girl, but was really a boy. I'm sorry, I just, I cannot believe that. But it is, folks, it is just like his ranting and raving about Republicans wanting dead transgender kids. It is a lovely, 
lovely, lovely poetic truth. And White Boy Malcolm X, I cannot wait until Umbrella Academy comes out again. First, folks, I actually do enjoy the show, but we are in, folks, for another round of Elliot Page. Yap, 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 I'm transgender. Yap, 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 yap. Elliot, we get it. Just chill out. Uh-oh. From Zero Hedge, J.P. Morgan. Biden's infrastructure bill faces enough Democratic opposition that it will be materially lower than $4 trillion. $4 trillion, white boy Malcolm X. Holy crap. Chastin Buttigieg, that low-ranked queen from Indiana, she has been busy behind the scenes because the last we heard, folks, that bill was supposed to be $2.25 trillion for infrastructure, right? And infrastructure could be whatever the hell they wanted it to be. But apparently, folks, it went up to $4 trillion. And even the Democrats, who are no doubt, let's face it, folks, hate mongers, if they are saying no to this, even the Democrats are blanching at the idea of $4 trillion flushed down the toilet for anything and everything that they want to label infrastructure. But let's find out about this, because this, folks, this could create huge problems over at the Buttigieg household. Here are a couple pull quotes. After weeks of bombastic announcements by the Biden administration, and that, folks, is the administration of Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer, which included an utterly unprecedented $6 trillion in new federal spending split between the American Families Plan, American Jobs Plan, and American Rescue Plan, J.P. Morgan has published a brief note that pours serious cold water on what the 78-year-old president, who again, folks, loves to sniff women's hair, will actually achieve. And this is from J.P. Morgan. It appears that Biden's infrastructure bill faces enough Democratic opposition to prevent him from using reconciliation as a tool. This likely means that any bill that is passed is materially lower in size than the $4 trillion proposal. A final bill would likely target traditional infrastructure and may see few, if any, changes to the tax code. (gasps) Heavens, white boy Malcolm X. Heavens me. Not $4 trillion, not $2.25 trillion. They are going to go even lower. And folks, that money, as you folks who listen to this podcast know, was to be earmarked for the remodeling of gay bars in Washington, D.C. in the state of Indiana because that low-ranked queen, Chastin Buttigieg, wanted to spend that infrastructure money on remodeling gay bars because he does not like to be called a low-ranked queen, even though you are a low-ranked queen, Chastin. So I can only, folks, I can only imagine what happened at the Buttigieg household when Chastin found out that all that infrastructure money that he was going to use to remodel gay bars in D.C. and the state of Indiana, that money is just gone. Chastin, Chastin, please come out of the bathroom. Please. I'm really sorry about this, but you need to come out of the bathroom. I'm sorry. I am not coming out of this bathroom. I am so mad at you, Pete. Why are you mad at me? Well, if I even have to say it, then I am going to be even more mad at you. Justin, I'm really sorry. Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer and Queen Kamala, they just cannot get that passed. The Democrats are just, they don't want to spend that kind of money. Well, what is the point of being a Democrat if you can't spend the country into bankruptcy? I'm sorry, but that is just insane. It's that stupid redneck Joe Manchin from West Virginia, isn't it? Well, I think he's one of them, but there are several others. Well, how am I supposed to remodel the gay bars? I am so tired of being called a low rank queen by that evil podcaster. How dare you, and how dare Queen Kamala, and how dare Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer take that money away from me. I was going to use that money for infrastructure, and now I don't have any money of that to spend. 
Johnson, I told you that you cannot spend the entire $2.25 trillion. Well, that's not what I heard. Well, that's not what I said. Well, that's not what I heard. Johnson, I'm sure we can find some money for you if you just come out of the bathroom. I mean, we're Democrats. We know how to have a good slush fund. Well, I wanted to spend $2.25 trillion. I'm sure we can find something for you, Johnson. This is the federal government. We know how to blow billions and trillions of dollars very quickly. It'll be fine. We can find a way to hide those expenditures somewhere. So it may not be from the Department of Transportation, but I hear the Department of Education has a good slush fund as well. Well, it goes to all those teachers' unions, and I'm sorry, I don't think they're going to want to spend that kind of money on remodeling gay bars. You'd be surprised, Jackson, how many queens are over at the Department of Education. Well, how would you know that? Do you have grinder on your phone? Do you have scruff on your phone? Are you checking out all the boys on your phone? Now, Chaston, we have gay groups in the government. Well, I hope you're not meeting up with any of them just now because I need to get you some better suits. Now, will you come out of the bathroom, please, so we can have a discussion about this? Well, can I at least get the road paid between this house and the dry cleaner? Because those cheap suits that you just keep getting dirty because you got to ride that bicycle for one stinking block. I want that road paid because I am so tired of hitting those potholes. Because, honey, I almost spilled my iced coffee all over my lap the other day. And then I was going to have to take my pants to the dry cleaner. So you better get that road fixed or I am not going to talk to you. And there's not going to be any sex in this house. Okay, Chaston, I'll see what I can do. Now, will you come out now? I want to hear it one more time and then I'll come out. Why do you want to hear? You know what I want to hear. <sighs> Jason, I really don't want to say that again. I'm sorry, but I am not coming out of this bathroom until I hear that. Okay, Jaston, I will do this one time and then that's it. Who's your little pocket queen, Daddy Jaston? Who's your little pocket queen, Daddy Jaston? Come to Daddy Jaston. Come to Daddy Jaston. Okay, whoa. Whoa, okay. Hold on, folks. I am so sorry. I had no idea... That us listening into the Buttigieg is having an argument over spending $2.25 trillion on remodeling gay bars in Indiana, the state of Indiana, and in Washington, D.C. I had absolutely no idea, folks, that it would turn kind of creepy there. So we're just going to completely, I am sorry, folks, we're going to back out of that. Long story short, infrastructure is back to what it meant five, six years ago. (laughs) Highways, roads, bridges, airports, and seaports, and not infrastructure, infrastructure, as Democrats know it to be, or want it to be anyway. Man, white boy Malcolm X, that, oh, those two, that would be the most disturbing porn ever. Anyway, let's move on. This next one is from Just the News. Bill and Melinda Gates announced that they are getting divorced. Hmm, another divorce. Let's go ahead and find out more about that. Here are a couple poll quotes. Bill and Melinda Gates announced in a statement on Monday that they will be divorcing after more than a quarter century of marriage. After a great deal of thought and a lot of work on our relationship, we have made the decision to end our marriage. Over the last 27 years, we have raised three incredible children and built a foundation that works all over the world to enable all people to lead healthy, productive lives, the former couple said in a statement. We continue to share belief in that mission and will continue our work together at the foundation, but we no longer believe we can grow together as a couple in this next phase of our lives. We ask for space and privacy for our family as we begin to navigate this new life. Well, that I would say is a bit unfortunate. And as someone, folks, who has been through something like that, I had a 15 and a half year relationship implode. That is not an easy decision to make and that 
cannot be easy for them, especially being in the limelight like the both of them are. And this coming after Jeff Bezos' divorce from Mackenzie Scott. That was another one that was, uh, I don't know how recent that was. It feels like that was a, a while ago, those two. But uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's unfortunate. It really is. I'm not going to make too much of a joke there. Kind of reminds me, White Boy Malcolm X, of uh, Al Gore and Tipper Gore. Remember those two? <laughs> you folks that are Gen Z and older probably remember Al Gore and Tipper Gore. If you're not quite sure who Al Gore is, he got, folks, he used to be the vice president, but he got extremely rich, terrifying small children about the climate, right? He scared the hell out of these kids that the polar ice caps were going to melt and those kids were going to drown and the polar bears were going to drown. Everyone was going to drown. It, Folks, it was going to be a complete disaster on this planet. But before it would go to hell in a handbasket like he predicted it would, he was going to get hugely wealthy Scaring the hell out of people. <laughs> so, kind of reminds me of that in the sense of, I think these women, Tipper Gore and Mackenzie Scott and Melinda Gates, they, I suspect they probably all woke up at some point in their lives. They looked over at the other side of the bed and they're like, how the hell did I get married to a beta man? <laughs> this man is a soy boy. What the hell am I doing with him? I want a stud. I want a real man. I want a man's man like Sebastian Stan. <laughs> Like we talked about on Sunday's podcast, those ladies can afford to rent out. Well, I don't think Sebastian Stan is for rent, but I'm sure they can get a damn good substitute that kind of looks like Sebastian Stan. Lights down, lights off, whatever. They can pretend it's Sebastian Stan, right? A man's man or someone like that. So I think those ladies probably are going to get themselves a strapping stallion of a man to show them what an alpha male looks like, not those soy boys they've got. And they've got huge bank to spend on their new boy toys. So ladies, if you haven't gotten one already, enjoy your boy toy. Not my cup of tea, but you ladies, after being married to Al and Jeff and Bill, you deserve a real man for change. If it costs you a little money to do that, go for it. No, white boy Malcolm X, I am not telling them to get rent boys. No, or escorts or whatever the hell they call them these days. No, I'm not saying that at all. But, I mean, they can afford to get a very attractive younger man right next to them. They want a little bit of eye candy right there. The problem those ladies have is that they have huge amounts of money now, right? Melinda Gates and Mackenzie Scott, billionaires both, right? So what kind of man are they going to be able to attract that is going to be able to hold his own with her, at least financially, right? I'm sure each of them at some point, if they're out dating someone, is going to, in the back of their mind, is going to be like, are they here because of me or are they here because I got billions of dollars in the bank down the street, right? So I'm sure if they're going to be questioning why a man is dating them and if they are across the dinner table from a man, they're sitting there going, man, I wonder why this guy is here. He might as well be good looking, right? There might as well be some damn good eye candy looking back at her from the other side of the table. She's going to have that in the back of her mind. She might as well go, that is a stud. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> so ladies, I hope you find happiness. Trust me, I have been there. It is a rough, rough road. I don't care how much money you got. It is a rough road to get through something like that. But as Kelly Clarkson says, and you queens out there know what I'm talking about, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. From the Federalist. MBA does business with China sneaker company reportedly sourcing materials from Uyghur Muslim camps. Hmm. 
Those woke folk at the NBA are in bed with a Chinese sneaker company with Uyghur slaves? Let's find out more about that. Here are a couple pull quotes. The National Basketball Association contracts for sneakers with a multinational sports equipment corporation in communist China that obtains cotton from the same region Uyghur Muslims are being held in forced labor camps, as reported by the Washington Free Beacon. Anta Sports, which sources its cotton from Xinjiang, makes two sneakers that the NBA sells online. The company, which is the largest sports brand in China, notably makes Golden State Warriors guard Clay Thompson's Claytheism sneakers. Jesus Christmas. That is a dumbass name for a pair of sneakers. The shoe retails for up to $119.99. Anta Sports announced in March that it has always bought and used cotton produced in China, including Zhejiang cotton, and will continue to do so. And this, folks, here's the kicker. BBC published a report in December that discussed China's re-education camps. <laughs> and folks, when I talk about getting a first-class ticket on a train to a re-education camp that the woke folk want to put all us on, <laughs> this is what I'm thinking about, just like they do in China. Anyway, picking back up, the report said that more than 500,000 minorities, including thousands of Uyghur Muslims, are being forced to pick cotton in dire conditions. So, white boy Malcolm X, I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. Antisports buys cotton from Xinjiang, a province in China, and in Xinjiang is a camp with 500,000 minorities, including Uyghurs, right? Those Uyghur Muslims down there. So, they are having slaves... Uyghur slaves and other minorities, 500,000 minorities, are picking cotton to make shoes for black NBA players. Do I have that right? Black NBA players are having Uyghur slaves pick cotton to make their shoes. You think so? Okay. Clay Thompson, who I believe, folks, is capital B black. He is actual true black, right? His shoes, his Claytheism sneakers... The cotton in his sneakers are picked by slaves in China. Oh, okay. I guess there's a little bit of irony there. That slaves are picking cotton to make shoes for black NBA players. But okay, I guess slaves are making Clay Thompson rich because I'm sure he's getting a handsome cut of these $119.99 sneakers, right? I'm sure he's making good money off of this in addition to his NBA salary. But his sneakers are made by slaves. Basically, because the slaves are picking the cotton, and I'm sure they got other slaves out there making the shoes that they then ship to the U.S. So these dopey, woke college kids or whoever the hell buys these stupid shoes, right? They are paying good money for slave labor. Okay. I hope you woke folk over at the MBA who are down for the struggle. I hope you love your slave labor money. I hope you sleep better at night knowing that 500,000 minorities, including Muslim Uyghurs, are your remote slaves in China that are making you even richer. From Boston.com, since I am done talking about those frauds, those woke frauds in the NBA, Nantucket Magazine apologizes for cover story featuring Barstool's Dave Portnoy. Uh Uh-oh, what are those drama queens on Nantucket Island worried about now? Let's find out. Facing blowback from readers, Nantucket Magazine is apologizing for its recent cover story featuring Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy, 
citing the Swampscott native's history of offensive remarks and actions. In a note to readers, publisher Bruce Persillay and editor Robert Cacuzzo, and Bruce and Robert, I do apologize if I am butchering your names, but that is the best you're going to get out of me today, said that they had heard from various members of our community who vehemently object to the magazine's glowing May cover story on Portnoy's efforts to raise money for small businesses affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. While the story was intended to highlight Mr. Portnoy's work in support of small businesses, a number of people in the community have taken issue with offensive remarks and actions he has made in the past, Persillet and Cacuzzo wrote. We never want to hurt, offend, or disappoint any of our readers, (laughs) poor babies, with the stories we publish. Accordingly, we formally apologize for any pain caused to those who have objected to this May cover. Another good example, White Boy Malcolm X. No, I take that back. A great example of the word butthurt, right? How do you define butthurt? A bunch of snooty, rich, bored, probably liberals out on Nantucket Island going, Oh, oh, this is so offensive to me. Dave Portnoy is on the cover of Nantucket Magazine. Oh, Myrtle, fetch me my smelling salts. Oh, I am so verklempt right now. Right? These hysterical, (laughs) dopey liberals out on Nantucket Island are all butthurt that Dave Portnoy is on the cover of their magazine, right? And this goes on their coffee table, and all their snooty neighbors come over for their coffee or their cocktails, and they see that, and they're like, oh, Jesus Christmas, Dave Portnoy is on your coffee table. He is so low rent. He is just not worthy of Nantucket Magazine. How dare they do that? We should go and complain. Let's write a letter to the editor. So that's what they have to do out on Nantucket Island, because I guess there's nothing else to do out there, right? Except go and get drunk at the local bar or whatever the hell they do out there. It's not that big of an island. They just get all butthurt about a stupid magazine. They got their own magazine out there, right, folks? But they do not want some riffraff like uh, Dave Portnoy out there giving them the vapors. So they are butthurt about that, and Persillet and Cacuzzo... I'm sure they got read the Royal Riot Act on that one. And they're like, oh, we don't want to lose our jobs. We better do a formal apology. So you self-absorbed princesses out there. Now, let me just say this real quick, folks. Nantucket Island is damn beautiful. I have been out there several times. They did not know it was me or they probably would have thrown me right off. They would have been like, do not get off that ferry. Miller, you are going back to the mainland, right? But they didn't know I was out there. But it is a really beautiful island. Don't get me wrong. But It is apparently full, folks. It is full of self-absorbed princesses. So, poor babies. Poor, poor, poor babies. Don't worry, folks. The next edition of Nantucket Magazine is going to have a couple of you dopey idiots on the cover to more than make up for the triggering event of having Dave Portnoy on your precious, stupid little magazine. And now, White Boy Malcolm X, now I go from those snooty douchebags out on Nantucket Island to this. And it's from Queerty, folks. Colton Underwood's Doom Netflix series plus 10 more ill-begotten LGBTQ reality shows. <laughs> okay, let's find out what those queens at Queerty are all butthurt about. <laughs> because I guess they have to be just as butthurt as those snooty princesses out on Nantucket Island. Here are a couple pull quotes with this. Despite tons of negative criticism, angry tweets, and a Change.org petition signed by 35,000 people and counting, I would argue 35,000 losers and counting, demanding the show be canceled, Netflix seems to be committed to moving forward with its Colton Underwood docuseries. 
Earlier this month, it was reported that Underwood was in the middle of shooting a series about his coming out journey and that Goose Kentworthy would serve as a guide, introducing him to the wonderful world of all things gay. Almost immediately, a backlash ensued. White Boy Malcolm X, before I go any further with this fake outrage by Queerty, <laughs> those drama queens over at Queerty, I have a question for you, sir, because I was of the understanding that Goose Kentworthy was a sidekick. He was the gay sidekick running around there with Colton Underwood, right? But apparently he is a guide. And I don't know, folks, I don't know what the difference between a guide and a sidekick is. But folks, I have to be honest with you. I think that guide kind of sounds like a pimp. Does that sound like a pimp to you, white boy Malcolm X? If he is a guide, he is an escort showing Colton Underwood around to the gay bars, right? So I think, folks, I think that Goose Kentworthy is a pimp pimping out Colton Underwood to some daddy or whoever, whatever Colton's flavor is, right? He's like, I'm Goose Kentworthy, and I got Colton Underwood over there. Would you like to, to meet him? I am his guide to these gay bars. Would you like to meet him? And these queens are like, oh, yes, I would love to meet Colton Underwood. I heard he was straight, and I heard he is a gold star queen. So I have, yes, I have got to meet him. Oh, thank you so much, Gus. Thank you so much. And, oh, Jesus Christmas, just close your mouth. Those veneers are driving me insane. So he is a, well, I don't want to say pimp, but as a guide, I don't know what the hell he's doing, <laughs> guiding him about these gay bars, but one can only imagine, I suppose. But let's find out more about this fake drama from Queerty. Many people were upset that the former Bachelor star was being rewarded for coming out with a Netflix show, given his not-so-distant history of alleged abuse against his ex-girlfriend, Cassie Randolph. And folks, we still don't know what that alleged abuse is. I assume, folks, that he was just giving her bad fashion advice. He was just being a bitchy queen, <laughs> saying, oh, yes, dear, those pants look fabulous on you. Yes, that color is perfect for you, right? Something like that. Or, or he could have answered yes when Cassie Randolph came to him and said, honey, do I look fat in this dress? And he could have been like, yes, Jesus Christmas, you are as fat as the whale in that thing, right? That could be considered abuse. But anyway, and many others were disappointed in Kentworthy, who usually exercises good judgment for getting involved. White boy Malcolm X. <laughs> God. You folks at Queerty, this article is a huge dumpster fire. Thank you, but man, you folks are a hot mess. White boy Malcolm X, when you think of Goose Kentworthy, do you think of someone who exercises good judgment? Is that what you think of, sir? No, we are not going to make a joke about the veneers again. We already made it once. We are not going to make another joke about his veneers. So I'm assuming if you're just saying veneers over there, you snitty queen, I assume that that is what you think about when you think of Goose Kentworthy. You don't think, man, that is someone who usually exercises good judgment. Because folks, I have to say, I look at the kid and that is not what comes to mind. I'm sitting there going, can he add two plus two and get it right 100% of the time, right? Can he chew gum and walk at the same time? I know he's a great downhill skier. I'm sure he can still do that well. And I'm sure he is an excellent guide to that idiot, Colton Underwood, but usually exercises good judgment. That is not Goose Kentworthy, at least for me. Rather than issue a comment on the controversy, Netflix, Underwood, and Kentworthy chose to remain silent, likely hoping that if they don't say anything, by the time the show airs, people will have calmed down. But somehow we don't think that's going to happen. 
because you idiots at Queerty are going to do whatever it takes to keep this farcical drama going. <laughs> Jesus Christmas, girls. You idiots over there at Queerty. <laughs> Seriously, you have got to get a life if this is the focus of your tempest in a teapot rage. Ah, oh, that evil Colton Underwood. Oh, I can't believe Gus Camworthy, who usually exercises good judgment. I can't believe he's part of this whole train wreck. Ah, you girls over at Queerty, bless your hearts. I tell you what, though, folks, I tell you what. I am actually to the point where I am starting, and White Boy Malcolm X, please don't fall out of your chair when I say this, I am starting to feel bad for Colton Underwood. <laughs> I am. I swear to God, folks, I am not being flippant with this. I am actually starting to feel bad for Colton Underwood. I mean, let's face it, folks, he is a gold star queen. He was so ready to get married to a woman. Thank God he was like, no, this, this is a bridge too far. Even I cannot go down this path. I do not want to go down that altar to date that woman. I don't care how hot her brother is. I get to see him all the time. But no, I am not going to do that, right? I, I feel bad for him because now he is trying to whatever, find himself, whatever the hell he's doing with this stupid Netflix series. But look, folks, this guy just wants to get paid. What did I say the last time we had to deal with this stupid topic and these two stupid queens, right? I just said the guy wants to get paid. And this is it for him, folks. This is as good as it's going to get right after this. It's selling used cars in some backwater town in the middle of nowhere. That is in his future. He just wants to get paid, right? Maybe if Gus Kentworthy is worth his salt as a guide, he can get Colton Underwood a sugar daddy, right? So he does not have to sell used cars in a backwater town in the middle of nowhere, right? He can get himself a sugar daddy, and he never has to worry about that other life that is staring him right in the face, right? Because I know, folks, when he looks in the mirror, he's like, damn. After this Netflix series, my life is selling used cars in a backwater town in the middle of nowhere. That podcaster, Miller Frost, he is right. That is my future. But if he plays his cards right and Gus Kenworthy is a good guy, he can get his Netflix money, get himself a sugar daddy. So the only thing that guy has to do all day, every day is go to the gym and work out and look good for his daddy. <laughs> so folks... You bitchy queens over at Queerty, you jealous queens over at Queerty, Netflix wouldn't give any of you queens the time of day if you went over there, you sashayed over there and were like, well, I want a Netflix series about me. And they're going to be like, who the hell are you? Well, I work over at Queerty and I write bitchy articles about queens I hate. They're going to be like, get the hell out of our offices. <laughs> Nobody wants to see you. So you girls at Queerty, you 35,000 losers signing this change.org petition, Get a life for Christmas sakes. Just let the guy get paid. Let the guy get himself a sugar daddy. Everyone's going to be like Colton who in about a year, right? But the more you try to gin up some fake drama, just because you queens over there at Queerty have to have some drama. Oh, it's so dramatic. Oh, this Colton Underwood thing. It's just, oh, it's so horrible. Oh, right. You queens over there need some drama in your lives. I'm sure you can find additional drama without picking on poor Colton. Guy just wants to get paid. Guy just wants to get himself a sugar daddy. And Goose Kentworthy just wants to get himself a little bit more attention as well. And I'm sure he wants a sugar daddy as well. So let these two queens get their sugar daddies. And then they can go and retire. And you queens at Queerty can find someone else to go after. So settle down out there. Of all the things to get worked up over, white boy. 
I'm getting worked up over them getting worked up picking on this poor, stupid queen. This new gaby to the community. This poor ex-closet case from The Bachelor. Man, Colton, bless your heart. Goose, bless your heart as well. You queens over at Queerty, triple bless your hearts. All of you need to get a damn life. Okay, now that our news quick hits are over, let's go ahead and jump into our news pile. And this one is from MRC Newsbusters. Freeform show introduces crazy new LGBT term for best friends, homo-romantic asexual. And folks, I believe Freeform is some streaming service. I don't know. I never heard of it. I looked it up very quickly, but it looks like some... I don't know if it's a website or what, but I guess there is a television show and they are using the term homo-romantic asexual. Is that what we are, white boy Malcolm X? We are homo-romantic asexuals. Don't you shoot me the bird, sir. That is just rude. No, I'm just playing around. White boy Malcolm X and I are dear friends. He is, folks, a brother from another mother, as we like to say. But homo-romantic asexuals, I guess we are not that. But I don't know. Let's go ahead and find out more. Do you have no desire for homosexual sex? Okay, that is definitely not us, White Boy Malcolm X, but really think your same-sex best friend is amazing. Do you wish you could be called anything but straight? Gay Inc. is here to save the day. And folks, I think that MRC Newsbusters, when they say Gay Inc., and White Boy Malcolm X, correct me, sir, correct me if I am wrong, but I think, folks, when they say Gay Inc., those folks over at MRC Newsbusters, I think they're talking about the gay mafia. What do you think, White Boy Malcolm X? Is Gay Inc. the Gay Mafia? Pretty sure. Okay. I am as well, but I've never heard the Gay Mafia referred to as Gay Inc., but I guess they could be one and the same. Freeform's Everything's Gonna Be Okay, and folks, Everything's Gonna Be Okay is the name of the show, introduced a Gay Inc. term for what used to be called Best Friends Forever, or folks, BFFs. Kind of like Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer and any woman's hair, right? They are BFFs. They are best friends forever. In the episode California Banana Slugs on April 29th, Dre, played by Lillian Carrier, the best friend of main character Matilda, played by Kayla Cromer, announces that she identifies as a homoromantic asexual. You see, Dre and Matilda have been friends for years. In fact, at the end of their senior year of high school, they liked each other so much they tried to be lesbians. Kids these days in high school. Some of them are doing their teachers. Nom, 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 nom. Where's that teacher? Pay? Where's that teacher? Pay? Right? And some of them are doing each other. Now that they have graduated and entered adulthood, they realize they are not lesbians and have no sexual attraction to each other whatsoever. But they both agree to still call each other girlfriend, which is something many female friends do anyway. Nobody told Dre that the entire history of same sex friendship in both real life and fiction, from the Gospel of John to the Lord of the Rings, Sam and Frodo, has involved intense bonds of love that someone could erroneously label as romantic. Of course, in order to define it as romantic, you would have to be immersed in a homosexual culture that eroticizes or romanticizes everything. Hmm. These folks at MRC Newsbusters, they're starting to act a little bit like those queens over at Queerty. A little snippy here. But folks, it gets a little snippier. And that is exactly what the LGBTQIABCDEFG, and yes, folks, they wrote all that out, world has done. With a new magic trick, Gay Inc. Okay, I'm going to scratch that. We're going to redo that. With a new magic trick, the Gay Mafia 
Now see that, folks? That sounds a lot better. Has now found a term to bring even straight people into its tent. And no offense to you folks at MRC Newsbusters, but our tent could use a little sprucing up, right? We got folks like Colton Underwood and Goose Kentworthy. God knows who else, right? So we could use a little sprucing up with some fresh blood, but I digress. You have to give the gay mafia credit. They never cease to find ways to convince young people they are really somehow, some way, kind of, sort of gay. So white boy Malcolm X. Now, folks, hold on a second over there. Folks, I do give the LGBT, what do they call this thing? The LGBTQUIABCDEFG community, right? I give them a lot of grief, right? I mean, nobody who listens to this podcast can walk away from it going, man, that Miller Frost, he gave the LGBTQ community a good reading of the riot act, right? But, white by Malcolm X, but do you think, sir, do you think that it is quite a bridge or two or three (laughs) too far to say that gay ink or the gay mafia is subtly, subliminally, whatever, putting that sort of stuff like a homo, romantic, asexual, that term, putting that into this freeform show that I've never heard of before. (laughs) Probably about 50 people watch, right? Do you think, sir, that that is a plot by the gay mafia to bring more people into the fold? Hell no. And folks, I have to agree with my brother from another mother across the room there. Folks at MRC Newsbusters, now look, I do Love you all. I love your website. I love your cheekiness. I love your editorials. I like your site in general, and I do enjoy reading your stories on this podcast. But I will say, folks over there, you do need to slow your roll down (laughs) just a little bit. I do not think that this is a plot by Gay Inc. to have homo, romantic, asexual as a key buzzword moving forward. So I just... Trust me over there at MRC Newsbusters, if those queens, if the LGBTQ community is pulling a fast one, trust me, I will come on this podcast and say so. This one, though, nah, I, I don't think so. I think some cheeky queen writer over at the Everything's Gonna Be Okay set, I think he just created this fancy little term and they're like, oh, that is kind of funny. Let's throw that into the show. So... Settle down over there. Slow your roll. I think everything will be just fine. But if they try something, don't you worry over there at MRC Newsbusters. I got my eye on those folks. We have a love-hate relationship, but now nah, I, I give the tribe a lot of grief, right? I do. In fact, I said it is a Star Wars bar. Our tribe is a huge Star Wars bar, but now nah, I give them a lot of grief. But in this case, I don't think it's warranted. See, White Boy Malcolm X, I can... <laughs> I can be nice to the tribe from time to time. (laughs) I know it gets me out of no doghouse, trust me. But yeah, if they're doing no wrong, I will absolutely stick up for them. But enough, folks. Enough about the queens and the media. We're not going to talk about those folks over at Queerty. We're not going to talk about those folks over at MRC Newsbusters. And we're not going to talk about the queens and their stories. It's time, folks. It is time for the woke folk. Because let's face it, folks. There is always some good, nutty news coming out of those college campuses these days. This first one is from Campus Reform. Student calls on Georgetown University to begin the conversation about gender-neutral version of Arabic. So forget, folks, just forget what I said about moving on from the Queens. (laughs) Because it looks like, unfortunately, folks, we got another one here. Let's find out more together. Donovan Barnes, a first-year student at Georgetown University, recently published a Viewpoint article in the school student newspaper titled Develop Gender-Neutral Language in Arabic, 
Barnes, March 25th op-ed in the Hoya expresses the opinion that to aid the fight for gender inclusivity in the Arabic language, Georgetown students and instructors have the responsibility to work towards language that includes all gender identities. <laughs> the screen's going big, not just identities within the cis-normative male and female binary. <laughs> okay, then. How many gender identities are we up to today? I think eight, nine, ten, I don't know, who knows. The student explained that he is studying Arabic at Georgetown and had valid concerns coming into the program, of course that queen did, because he is learning a language that is radically different from his first language, English. I never thought about how the language intersected with a person's gender identity. However, until I began taking courses, wrote Barnes, I realized the lack of gender-inclusive Arabic pronouns excludes non-binary and gender non-conforming students interested in learning the language. <laughs> so I guess Sam Smith, Sam Smith, can't learn Arabic, right? Because he would not be able to use his funky pronouns in Arabic. I guess there is no, folks, I guess there's no version of Zizirza in Arabic, right? They only have him and her and they or what. I guess they have they, I don't know. But I guess they don't have all the other funky pronouns that everyone else wants to use. So I guess this queen is like, well, they need to change Arabic. This is just too triggering for me to learn a language that does not have an equivalent to Z's ears. Oh, oh, get me my smelling salts, dear. Bless your heart, Donovan Barnes. Barnes acknowledged in his article that Arabic has historical and contemporary ties with Islam and religious tradition and it may be challenging to deviate from the language's norms. However, he further stated that Arabic speakers whose gender identities do not align with the norms of the language should not have to compromise their identity. They deserve representation. Barnes expressed that he believes creating gender-inclusive pronouns in all languages is a significant step to achieving equality. I wonder, though, white Bumakamex, besides those who speak Arabic, I wonder if, like, say, for example, the Chinese, right? The communist Chinese, not folks, not the Chinese that are in slave labor camps picking cotton for the black NBA players to make their shoes, right? We're not talking about those folks, but the other folks, the other communist Chinese, the ones that are <coughs> free, uh, they're not in a slave labor camp, right? I wonder if they have a Chinese equivalent, white Bumakamex. I wonder if they can say in Chinese, zizirza. You doubt it. Okay. I don't know. I don't speak Mandarin, but I guess I could ask someone. I do know someone who speaks Mandarin. I, that would be kind of a weird email. Hey, do you know if in Mandarin they have Z's ears on? Probably write me back and go, you're a freak. Shut up. Anyway, here is one more delicious paragraph. A few individuals commented on the article from Barnes. One person wrote, thanks, but the region does not need your white savior complex. <laughs> Oh, man, they are not putting up with that. Another reader wrote, Please stop colonizing other languages. Leave Arabic and Arab culture to the Arabs. White boy Malcolm X, I think that you and I are going to have to come up with, uh, with an equivalent to... Well, folks, we've been talking about white women's tears on this podcast, right? Because <laughs> you have these fake social justice warriors. You have these hysterical white millennial Gen Z type chicks, right? And they go down and they riot, loot, burn, and have a grand gay old time because the girls just want to have fun, right? And they go down and they protest and they have all those boo-hoo-hoo-hoo, boo 
right? Those white women's tears, shedding those tears for social justice, rioting, looting, burning, all that kind of fun stuff, right? And then they go back to their lily white suburbs with mom and dad, their upper class suburbs, their middle class suburbs, right? And they never have to worry about the ramifications of their rioting and looting and burning. And let's defund the police, right? Because in their lily white neighborhoods, there isn't a lot of crime, right? But all the black people who are getting shot and killed because these stupid, rich or middle class white women with their white women's tears want to defund the police and cause all sorts of other mayhem in the inner cities where they just go and spend a couple hours before retreating back to the suburbs. But we need to wipe out Malcolm X. Yes, I am actually getting to a point here. We need to come up with the white women's tears, a version of that for queens, right? Because this silly queen wants to colonize Arabic. So the poor Arabs, they're sitting over there in the Middle East and all of a sudden they're going to be like, Zizirza in Arabic. They're going to be like, what the hell? Those stupid Americans and their stupid funky pronouns. They've come over here now. Damn them, right? That's why they hate America. That's why they're going to keep burning the American flag because at some point, some stupid white queen, some rich queen, you want to talk about a first world problem? This stupid queen from Georgetown University, this is what is on his mind. Arabic doesn't have funky pronouns for all my non-binary friends. So people who learn Arabic can't say za or whatever. And that is wrong. You're invalidating them. You are trying to erase them because you do not have the Arabic version of our funky pronouns. Man, so I don't know, white gaby tears? <laughs> White queen tears? I don't know. We'll figure something out, folks. But it's the same thing, right? You have these dopey, white, upper-class liberals. Boo! Boo! They don't have Caesar's on Arabic. <laughs> and you folks over in the Middle East, I'm sorry that that kind of nutty is headed your way. I really do apologize. Please don't blow me up <laughs> if you get pissed off about it because this kid needs to learn. Some of those folks over there, when they get angry enough, they will cut your head off. <laughs> And they will not think twice about it. They're like those MS-13 gang members from Central America. They will cut your stupid head off if they don't like you. And so this kid is going he's going to be in a lot of trouble if some Arabic goes, what the blankety blank blank is this stupid white kid, this privileged white kid at Georgetown University trying to screw our language up for, I'm going to go cut his head off. So kid, you better watch out because somebody is going to get angry at you. I mean, let's face it, folks. I know it is the religion of peace, but those folks don't play. White queen tears, white boy Malcolm X. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And if you folks think you've had enough of Nutty on a college campus, folks, we have one more story. And then we are done with Nutty on a college campus. I mean, we got more Nutty, don't get me wrong, but this is the last one on a college campus. And this one is from the College Fix. Hamilton College student leaders work to defund the police, claim white supremacists are on campus. So folks, on Hamilton College campus, we have white supremacists lurking about, hiding in the shadows. Apparently, I don't know. Let's find out more, and if you folks are like, Hamilton College, what kind of dumb school is that? Folks, I actually had to look that up because I'm like, I have never even heard of Hamilton College, and they got woke folk over there. Folks, Hamilton College is in Clinton, New York. And no, it was not named after Chelsea Clinton or her dopey parents. Clinton, New York is between Syracuse, it is east of Syracuse, and it is west of Albany. So in other words, folks, it is in the ass end of New York, this stupid school with their stupid woke students. But let's find out more about this kind of nutty. 
Following the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial, students and faculty at Hamilton College received an email denoting some of them as white supremacists, hiding about, lurking in the shadows, and calling for the admissions office to better block such students from enrolling in the future. The email came from leadership at the school's student assembly and was signed by President Sapphire Ruiz, as well as fall Vice President Eric Stengel and spring Vice President Christian Hernandez Berrigan. So folks, President Sapphire Ruiz, she's kind of like Nancy Pelosi, right? Because Sapphire Ruiz has Eric Stenzel and Christian Hernandez Berrigan, right? And Nancy Pelosi, she has Steny Hoyer and James Clyburn. So in other words, folks, Nancy and Sapphire both have a couple of eunuchs following her around. (laughs) Bless your hearts. In their email, the campus leaders reacted to the verdict and explained that members of the Hamilton community had much more work to do in creating an inclusive environment. And folks, if they have an Arabic studies department that does not recognize non-binary pronouns, they have a hell of a lot more work to do. But I'm just saying, I don't know what's going on over there at Hamilton College, but I suspect, folks, I suspect there is rot under every rock you lift up. We believe in a better world where community safety means community, rehabilitation, and restorative justice. And what do we say about justice on a college campus on this podcast, folks? Somebody's about to get screwed. And we will fight for it, the email reads in part. Assembly members were also very adamant in encouraging a push to defund the police in their email. I wonder how much crime is actually in Clinton, New York. I bet you could defund the police over there. (laughs) And no one would know the difference, right? They probably have like one breaking and entering a year. They probably got a couple of DUIs a year. But if the cops vanish, they'd be like, hmm, nothing has changed. It's nice to live in a lily-white neighborhood without any crime, huh, folks? Racist, not racialized American policing should be the one on trial, and it's guilty. Derek Chauvin was a sacrificial lamb for police across the country to avoid any measure of reform or systemic change, they wrote. Even now, Democratic and Republican officials alike admit that this verdict reduces the pressure on them to take action. We can't let up. We need to defund the police. Finally, the email called some members of Hamilton white supremacists, hiding about, lurking in the shadows, but did not name any specific groups. Well, let's face it, folks, they can't ever find any white supremacists. Hell, they have White Lives Matter rallies, and guess what? Nobody shows up to them, right? These supposed white supremacists, they are the best, as I've said before, they are the best bogeyman ever, and why? because you never have to produce any to sell the narrative, right? It is a great poetic truth that there are all these white supremacists lurking about, hiding in the shadows. You never have to produce any, so they can run around these three dolts, Sapphire and Eric and Christian, right? They can run around and go, we're surrounded by white supremacists, and nobody's around. They don't have to worry about it, right? Who is going to call these three clowns to account for running around with a stupid narrative? Nobody, right? It's a college campus, right? They're going to be like, oh yeah, there are white supremacists everywhere. They're in every corner, hiding about, lurking in the shadows. Oh, we've got to do something. Bunch of drama queens. The email also suggests that the Office of Admissions at the school should implement rigorous measures which would screen for white supremacy in its applicants. Little boxer check. Are you a white supremacist? Yes, no. Doesn't matter, folks. If they are white and they say no, Boom, you got yourself a white supremacist. We need to prevent these types of people from entering our community 
and in doing so protect the growing population of black and brown students at Hamilton. And folks, those are capital B black students, so you know they're real black. That is why for the rest of our time in office, we will make it a priority to have conversations with the Office of Admissions to ensure rigorous procedures are put in place to ensure as few white supremacists as possible slip through the cracks in making it on campus, the email states. Well, bless their hearts. I mean, over at the Office of Admissions, bless their hearts three times over. Can you imagine being over at the Office of Admissions at Hamilton College in the ass end of New York, and you've got Sapphire Ruiz showing up at your door? Hi, I am President Sapphire Ruiz. And they'll be like, oh, crap. Oh, welcome back. This is your third visit this week. Yes, I know. But I have got to talk to you. I want to ensure that we have rigorous procedures put in place here in this admissions office because we need to keep out the white supremacists and we need to make sure that you're going to do that. Well, where are your eunuchs? Oh, they're in class. They'll be by later. But we need to ensure that we have rigorous procedures in place to keep out those white supremacists. Okay, Sapphire. You may call me Madam President. I am president of the student body. I am President Sapphire Ruiz. Okay, Sapphire, what would you like us to do? Well, we need to have rigorous procedures in place to keep out the white supremacists. Yes, we know. You said that three times this week, four times last week, six times the week before. What can we do? We need to put in place rigorous procedures. Any suggestions would be helpful. Rigorous procedures. There, I told you everything I need to tell you. And she storms off, right, folks? (laughs) Because that's about what they can do, right? But for you folks over at Hamilton College, you folks over at the Office of Admissions, You folks beleaguered by Sapphire Ruiz and her two eunuchs, Eric Stenzel and Christian Hernandez Berrigan, following her around. Those neutered males following her around going, yeah, we need to have rigorous procedures in place to keep out white supremacists. And you're probably sitting there going, crap, how the hell am I going to put in rigorous procedures that's going to shut these three clowns up? I have, folks, I have for you in the admissions office at Hamilton College, I have a solution. I would institute the My Little Pony test. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X, the My Little Pony test. And for you folks that are regular listeners to the podcast, you already know what I am talking about. And you folks that are new to the podcast, we had a story, I might as well just do a quick recap. We had a story about how folks in the My Little Pony community, and don't ask, I don't know anything about it, but apparently there is a My Little Pony community. I have no doubt a bunch of woke virgin boys living in their parents' basement playing video games, eyeing up the sex dolls, doing all sorts of weird stuff down in there in the basement, right? But in the My Little Pony community, they have neo-Nazis, right? And white supremacists hiding about, lurking in the shadows, right? So the My Little Pony community has a bunch of Nazis who masturbate to Adolf Hitler and My Little Pony. So it's like a Rorschach test, right? You have pictures of My Little Pony characters, whatever the hell their names are, and you show them to applicants of Hamilton College, right? So you have this dopey, pimply, sweaty, stinky, whatever, and all the teachers going, I'm no, 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 I gotta have the teacher made, right? Settle down, ladies. What did I tell you? Never get a boy to do a man's job. What did I tell you on the last podcast? More Sebastian Stan, less little Timmy with two chesters. Anyway, sorry. So you folks in the admissions office, you've got this 18-year-old pimply teenage boy sitting there in your admissions office, right? And you pull out your My Little Pony cards, right? And when you have them in your office, right, you're like, Oh, Timmy, please sit down. Let's have a talk about your application to join us here at Hamilton College. We're very, very, very excited to have you here. While you have them in your office, you just happen to have some My Little Pony cards out on your desk. And if he happens to say something that's like, hmm, he noticed the My Little Pony cards. 
that could be a sign of a white supremacist. Let me find out. So if he says something about your cards, you'll be like, oh, yes, those are my daughter's cards. Would you like to see them? And if he says, yes, thank you, I would love to see them. If he picks them up, that could be another sign. That <gasps> white boy Malcolm X, this is a job, folks. This is a job for queens with clipboards. <laughs> what we need to do for you folks in the admissions office at Hamilton College, we need to send over a queen with a clipboard. Oh, my God, this literally just came to me, white boy Malcolm X. Can you see that, folks? Hi there. Hi, I am here representing the Office of Admissions in Hamilton College. Please have a seat. I have some boxes to check. So we just want to kind of make sure that your application is up to snuff. So I have my clipboard and I have my pen and I have some boxes to check. So, oh, look here. I have some My Little Pony cards here. Somebody left them here on this desk. Oh, well, I guess we'll just keep them there. What do you think of those? Oh, you want to look at them? Sure. Check that box off. What do you think of those? Do you know who those characters are? You do? You know? Who is that one? I don't know. I don't know anything about My Little Pony. I'm so clueless. Oh, who's that one? That's Applejack? Oh, check that box off. Do you know of any other ones? That's Pinkie Pie? Oh, I didn't know that's Pinkie Pie. My, check that box off. Who's that one? That is a pretty rainbow. Oh, that is a fabulous rainbow. Who is that? That's Rainbow Dash. Oh, check that box off. Well, you know, now that I think about it, I think that we are in the wrong room. I think someone else is supposed to be in this room, and that is why those My Little Pony cards that you are so interested in for some reason, some odd reason that you are just studying those things like the Bible itself, I think that someone else is supposed to be in this room. So why don't we stand up and go into the next room, and then we can continue our discussion there. Does that sound good to you? Okay, that sounds good. Oh, son, you seem to be aroused. Is it the My Little Ponies that are getting you aroused? Now, don't be embarrassed. Don't be There's nothing wrong with a young man with a heart on. I mean, if there were a high school teacher here, they would be like, no, 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 Right, but there are no high school teachers here. It's just me and you and my clipboard and my pen. But you seem to be very aroused. Is it the My Little Pony? Because trust me, Rainbow Dash, that is a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous rainbow there. That could obviously make any man hard, right? So... Well, okay, we won't talk about it anymore, but I am going to definitely check that white supremacist box off. Check, 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 check. Okay, let's go to the next room. I got one. I got one. I got one. Code Adolf. Code Adolf. Code Adolf. We got us a white supremacist. So you folks over at the Office of Admissions over there at Hamilton College, I would just to keep President Sapphire Ruiz and her two eunuchs, Eric and Christian Happy, I would get a queen with a clipboard and a couple of My Little Pony cards and I would institute that test immediately because let's face it, folks, there is no more rigorous a procedure than if a white supremacist gets a hard-on for My Little Pony. So there you go. I have the problem solved. I am so glad, White Boy Malcolm X, I am so glad that queens with clipboards were not on vacation this week. They were here, they were around, and we could dispatch them up to that whatever college in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to solve that problem for the uh, woke folk up there and find those white supremacists. From UPI, police find reported COVID-19 violation was a mannequin. <gasps> Uh-oh, COVID-19 violation? I think COVID Karen might be around. Let's find out more. Police called to a Nova Scotia restaurant on a report of a COVID-19 lockdown violation 
discovered the alleged illegal customer seated at a table was actually a mannequin. Mike Cormier, the owner of the Ardmore Tea Room in Halifax, said police visited his eatery Thursday morning after someone called to report someone was dining indoors at the facility in violation of shutdown orders. You folks over at UPI do not need to be coy about this. It was COVID care. (laughs) You don't have to say someone. Everyone knows who it was. The officer got out and was looking in the window, and I saw her looking at the mannequin Cormier told Global News. He said he went out and spoke to the officer, who confirmed a caller had apparently mistaken the mannequin seated at a table for a human customer. Halifax Regional Police spokesman John McLeod confirmed officers were called to the restaurant Thursday morning on a report of individuals not following public health directives. And folks, individuals not following public health directives is in quotes. Officers attended and found there were no issues or violations at that time, McLeod said. Cormier posted a photo to the restaurant's Instagram page, like COVID Karen folks, like she is on Instagram, showing the mannequin with the police cars in the background. Please don't call the police on us. We are only open for takeout and delivery. No Eden. She's a mannequin to help you with social distancing, he wrote. So you COVID Karens up there in Canada, in Nova Scotia, you need to slow your roll. Just a hair. Stop calling Popo on these poor folks over at the restaurant. The Ardmore Tea Room in Halifax do not need your aggravation. You call them up to Popo. I need to report a violation. There are individuals not following public health directives in the Ardmore Tea Room in Halifax. And you need to get over there right now. And if you don't get over there, I will call on my five. And I will call on my six. And I will call on the Canadian Mounties. Because someone needs to get over there. Because they need to stop doing what they're doing. I don't even think they got a mask on. You need to get over there and stop them. Ah! COVID, Karen, goodness sakes, please stop calling the popo on mannequins over there. You tattletales. <laughs> man, oh man. White boy Malcolm X, I have no idea, no earthly idea what these folks are going to do when COVID is basically gone, right? And when the mask mandates fade away and all the other mandates, the lockdowns, fade away into the distance, right? What are all these tattletale, snitchy COVID Karens going to do then? I guess <laughs> I guess they're going to have to go back to being a, a regular Karen. I mean, I know that's kind of low rent compared to a COVID Karen, but they are just going to have to go back to being a regular old Karen and calling the popo on their black neighbors. <laughs> I don't know how many black people up in Canada, but <laughs> they're in a lot of trouble, folks, when COVID Karen has to direct her attention elsewhere. <laughs> And the number of BIPOC folk just aren't enough to satisfy the COVID Karens up there. They're going to be called on them morning, noon, and night. Man. We are down to two stories, White Bone Malcolm X. Yes, we are finally down to two stories. This has been one hell of a dumpster fire podcast. So let's just go ahead and jump in. From the post-millennial, Seattle area teacher placed on administrative leave after assigning a sexually explicit poem to seventh graders. Hmm, that sounds like delightful reading. I wonder, though, White Malcolm X, I wonder if Dr. Jill Biden knows this poet. Uh, let's find out, huh? Issaquah Middle School teacher Alexandria Johnson has been placed on administrative leave after the post-millennial reported Ms. Johnson assigned her 7th grade language arts class a sexually explicit poem to read and analyze. 
The parents of one of Ms. Johnson's students posted the incident to a Facebook group Tuesday, of course, asking for advice on how to proceed after reading their child's assignment to read and analyze a poem about White Hollywood by Joe Limer. The poem, titled It's Funny How Pushing Me Out of Harm's Way Feels Like Putting Me in My Place, featured a sexually explicit passage which stated, I mean, how insecure are you, White Hollywood? when diversity means placing Asian males in asexual supporting roles, (laughs) never getting the girls. I mean, I get it. You don't need Viagra. You can suck your own. I'll let you folks fill in the blank there because you get a colonialized erection every single... (laughs) Man, this is harsh. I got to start that one over. Sorry. I mean, I get it. You don't need Viagra. You can suck your own blank because you get a colonialized erection Every single time you cast Asian women as love interest sex slaves. See, you tell society, white person saves me by pushing me out of harm's way. (laughs) What a train wreck of a poem. Executive Director Leisha Engels of the Issaquah School District, she's probably like, oh, Jesus Christmas, what the hell now, told the Washington Examiner that the seventh grade language arts teacher has been placed on leave and they were actively investigating the situation. And let's face it, folks, what's the result of the situation? A slap on the wrist. And this, folks, a couple other paragraphs. This is where I think it starts to get interesting. The parents of the student spoke to the post-millennials, Ari Hoffman, in an interview on 570 KVI and said the fact that this sexually explicit assignment came from a teacher is disturbing. It was highly sexual sexual content that is completely inappropriate for a seventh grader to be reading or much less listening to in an education venue, said Scott Simmons, a public school parent. It doesn't belong in our schools, and parents are rightfully upset, he continued. And this, folks, this is where I'm a little confused, and I guess I'm a little confused for two reasons. And they are, first, this is Seattle, right? I mean, this sort of poem with this sort of creepy imagery, I don't know what the problem is, right? Because that, to me, is kind of the norm out there, I suspect. I mean, what are they butthurt about? The fact that the kids are what? I don't know what they are in seventh grade, 12, 13 years old, something like that. Are they upset because the kids weren't seven or eight? (laughs) Maybe they should have learned this a little bit younger, or maybe they should have learned it a little bit later. I don't know, but this is Seattle, so I just don't know what they're so upset about. (laughs) This being Seattle, I just assumed that this is par for the course. And I guess the other thing I'm just confused about is that the teacher actually got punished. (laughs) They actually suspended this teacher. Now, like I said earlier, she's just going to get a little slap on the wrist at the end of the day. Let's let's be real here, right? Let me speak truth to power, right? She is not going to get in a lot of trouble over this stupid poem. They're probably like, look, you got to keep this on the deal with your students. Just make sure you don't have any stupid white kids in your class and you can keep pumping that crap out all day, every day. Just got to keep it on the DL a little bit. You know what I mean? The teacher's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. My bad. I won't do that again. I'll be like, ah, crap. A couple of white kids. I'm probably not going to do that poem. I'll find another poem out there that'll make the white kids happy. But Or maybe when the white kids call in sick, we can do the poem that day. But yeah, maybe though. Maybe it has to do with the fact that she's making fun of white Hollywood, right? You do not make fun of white liberals, right? Because those white woke folk out there, they will get super butthurt, folks, if people are mocking them for being white. They'll be like, hey, 
I am down for the struggle. I work in Hollywood, right? I hire lots of BIPOC folk. Now, I take the Asian men and I, I make them basically eunuchs in my film. And the Asian women, I just make them sluts for the white guys to bang at the end of the day. But hey, I am down for the struggle. I am supportive of the white folk. And I am not going to have some stupid teacher in Seattle making fun of me. You clowns down there need to suspend this stupid chick. Or I am going to, I am going to get really pissed off. Though so maybe that was what was the uh, the issue there, that she was doing it in front of some white kids or pissing off some woke white folk in Hollywood. But yeah, she's in just a little bit of trouble there. But don't worry, folks. She will be back to good before you know it. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into our last story, a smoking gun story. And whew, quite a headline. I knew you folks in Florida would not disappoint me. Woman, 77, hurled whopper. Racial slurs. So this chick is at a Burger King, causing all sorts of trouble. Let's find out more. A 77-year-old retiree who was upset about the thickness of a tomato on her Whopper allegedly threw the sandwich at a Burger King employee and then spewed racial slurs at the worker, according to Florida police who arrested the septuagenarian on a felony charge. Holy crap, white boy Malcolm X. This old lady, this septuagenarian, got charged with a felony for throwing a whopper at a Burger King employee. Investigators say Judith Black, and folks, she is an old white chick. She is not an old black chick, even though she is technically a capital B black, became unruly Friday evening at a Burger King near her home in the Villages, the sprawling retirement community billed as the Sunshine State's friendliest hometown. Black, who again, folks, is actually white, was dismayed with the tomato on her Whopper sandwich, according to a police report that does not specify whether the accused sought more or less tomato. Black took her complaint to the restaurant's front counter, where she allegedly began yelling at a female employee. The worker told police that she explained to Black, again folks, she is actually white, that unless her harangue ceased, she would not be able to help with the tomato issue. Then, when the employee turned her back, Black threw the Whopper, striking the employee below her neck with the sandwich. Black's cop alleged then proceeded to tell the worker, Shut up, you Black... <laughs> Rhymes with itch. She also allegedly used the N-word after exiting the Burger King with her husband. <laughs> Bless your heart. Bless your heart, Mr. Black. <laughs> Having to deal with your wife. It's <laughs> probably like, oh, crap. Here she goes again with the frickin' tomatoes. When police later questioned Black about the Burger King incident, she reportedly admitted striking the worker with the Whopper, explaining that she was upset about the thickness of the tomato on her sandwich and confronted the victim at the counter. Cops say Black also admitted that she called the employee a stupid Black itch, right? And a Black N-word and declared F-U Black, and she used the N-word again, Man, white boy Malcolm X, she is really butthurt about that tomato. <laughs> Witness interviews and store surveillance footage, and I bet folks that is a good watch, corroborated the employee's account of her interaction with Black, as well as the customer's use of racial slurs, according to a Wildwood Police Department report. Normally, a hamburger attack would result in the alleged assailant being charged with misdemeanor battery, which is, let's face it folks, that is a typical charge in Florida, but since Black, again, folks, she is also white, allegedly used racist language, the battery count was reclassified as a felony. So all you other white crackers in Florida, 
The next time you think about dropping the N-word when you throw your Whopper at the poor person behind the counter, that is a felony in the state of Florida. Florida statutes allow for such enhancement if the defendant evidences prejudice while committing an offense. Black spent several hours in custody before being released early Saturday morning from the Sumter County Jail on a $2,500 bond. So White Boy Malcolm X, I just want to make sure I have a complete picture of what's going on here. So help me understand this. Let me just kind of walk through this. And this is for you, White Boy Malcolm X. And this is for you folks out there. If you're like, Miller, I'm not quite sure I see the whole story here. Okay, folks, let me just see if I have this correct. So Judith Black and her husband are sitting at home in the villages, right, folks? And that is a sprawling retirement community that is billed as the Sunshine State's friendliest hometown. But Judith, folks, she is probably not the friendliest person, (laughs) the friendliest person, at least in the villages, right? I suspect she is a curmudgeon from hell, even worse than me. But her and her husband are sitting at home and she's like, let's go to dinner. And he's probably like, okay, honey, where do you want to go? And she's like, I want to go to the Burger King. I got a craving for a Whopper. Yummy. And he's like, well, okay, let's get in the golf cart. And let's drive down to the Burger King, right? He's like, okay, this is only going to cost me like seven, eight bucks. It's cheaper than taking her to the Outback Steakhouse, right? So he takes her down to the Burger King and they order their sandwiches and they get their meals and they sit down and she opens up her Whopper and she's like, damn it, look at the size of that tomato. He's probably like, honey, it's just a tomato. No, this tomato's too thick. Honey, it's just a tomato. Just kind of just take it out of the sandwich. No, I can't take it out of the sandwich. You don't understand. The tomato is part of the Whopper. A, I pay for that Whopper, right? And the Whopper includes the tomato. And B, the tomato helps with the sandwich, right? Because you got the bun and the lettuce and the tomato and the pickles and the hamburger and the cheese and the mayo and the mustard and the ketchup. And it makes up this Whopper. And I got to have the whole thing. And not having the tomato, I ain't got a Whopper, right? I just got some crappy hamburger without a tomato. Honey, just let the tomato go. It's too thick. You want me to cut it in half for you? No, I want them to make me another Whopper. Okay, honey, if you want to go deal with it, but you got to be nice to the people. You know how you can be. What do you mean by that? I'm just saying. What are you saying? Okay, just go get yourself a new Whopper. So, folks, she gets a Whopper. She goes back up there. Excuse me. Excuse me. Poor person behind the counter is probably turned around and goes, Oh, crap, it's this old bag again. (laughs) This old woman with her freaking Whopper. So she walks over there and she goes, Yes, ma'am, how can I help you today? My tomato is too much. This is just too much. Ma'am, would you like a new Whopper? You don't understand. Shut up, you stupid black beep, beep, beep. Right? She is just railing at this woman, going nuts on this Burger King woman, right? And the Burger King woman's like, what the hell is this old white bag yelling at me for over a stupid tomato on a stupid Whopper? And so she kind of puts up with it for a little bit, and the woman's like, beep, 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 right? Just slamming her with all these horrible, profane, racist words over a stupid tomato on a Whopper. And so the Burger King person's like, crap, I am just done with this. She turns back to her, and all of a sudden, bam, right in the back of her head is the damn Whopper. And the woman's like, beep, 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 slamming out those N-words left and right. It's like a barrage of N-words. Just boom, 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 boom. And the poor worker is like, oh, what the hell am I going to do about this stupid woman? But luckily, folks, that old bag Judith Black gives up. It's like, screw it, I am out of here. Come on, honey, we're getting the hell out of here. Get me back in that golf course. We're going home. Do I get that right so far, White Boy Malcolm X? Okay. Okay. So the poor worker who just had this barrage of N-words hurled at her in addition to a Whopper with a really thick tomato thrown at her as well. Right, folks? So she's like, I am not going to put up with that stupid old white bag 
coming in here from the villages in her stupid golf course, her poor husband, that poor beleaguered man. I have had it, and I am not going to put up with some dumb, stupid cracker calling me the N-word. So she picks up the phone, folks, and she calls 911, and she gets the popo down to the Burger King, and she reports a hate crime, right? And so the poor popo, they're like, ah, crap. We got to go over and deal with this old white woman hurling out the racial slurs. So they go over to the villages, which, let's face it, folks, is the friendliest hometown in the state of Florida. They're probably driving around. The cops are waving everyone, and all those old white people are waving back to them. Oh, look, it's the popo. We don't want to defund you. We love you. Keep coming in our neighborhood. We're good with that, right? So they drive over to this old woman's house, and they're like, they're knocking on the door. And I bet the husband answers the door because she's probably sitting there watching Jeopardy or something going, you better answer that door. Go answer the door. I'm going to sit here. I am still. I need to talk myself down from that stupid blank, 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 stupid blank. Give me a crappy Whopper. Give me a Whopper with big tomato. So the husband goes to the door and he opens up and he's like, Popo? Why are Popo at my house? That's probably what he was thinking in his mind. He's like, holy crap, what the hell is Popo doing at my house? It's just me. And we're white. Why did the police show up at our house? And then I bet, folks, I bet a light went off in his head and he's like, oh, crap my stupid wife, right? And so the police are like, is there a woman here? He's like, yep, but she's really pissed off about a tomato and a Whopper. Well, we need to talk to her, right? <laughs> so the police come in and she's sitting there just steaming. She's watching that Jeopardy and she is still mad. And they're like, ma'am, ma'am, we need to talk to you about what happened at the Burger King. She's probably like, you know what happened at Burger King? I ordered a Whopper, and you know what they did to me? They gave me a Whopper with a ginormous tomato. What the hell? They act like I ordered a tomato with a side of Whopper, and that is not what I did. I ordered a Whopper, and they gave me a Whopper with a ginormous tomato. Well, ma'am, did you get upset about that? You're damn right I did. Who orders a Whopper and wants to eat it with a ginormous tomato? Ma'am, did you get upset with her? Of course I just said I did. Ma'am, did you hurl a racial slur at that poor woman behind the counter? Well, yes. You know what I called her? I called her a stupid black beep, and I called her a black beep, and then I said, F you, black beep. Well, ma'am, you said that over a hamburger? Yes, and you know what else I did? Because she would not help me, I threw that damn Whopper at her. Who the hell wants to eat a Whopper with a ginormous tomato? Well, ma'am, you really should not have called her a stupid black beep, and a black beep, and then declared, F you, black beep. I think that was perfectly reasonable. Well, ma'am... Yes, I know we're in the state of Florida, and I know a lot of crazy goes on here, ma'am. I, I get that. I totally do, ma'am. I Trust me, I am a police officer in the state of Florida. You do not know how beleaguered we are. I mean, you should see our Facebook chats about how nutty, nutty and crazy the people in the state of Florida. So I, ma'am, I totally get it. I get the crazy, right? But, ma'am, I cannot have you calling black people the N-word. Well, you gave me a bad whopper. Ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it was a tomato but we're going to have to take you in. And folks, I would finish the story from there or try to, but let's face it, it's going to be a lot of beep, beep, beep from this point out. And we do try, folks, from time to time to have a relatively clean podcast. So on that note, since I cannot top some 77-year-old racist cracker in the state of Florida cursing out a cashier and throwing a whopper at her, since I cannot top that, it is time to plug-pull this podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by this Wednesday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple different ways. My email, miller at millerfrostonline.com, and my parlor handle, at millerfrost. 
Have a great rest of your week, a good start to your weekend, and we will see you back here in a couple days. In the meantime, take care. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com